0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs.
2: The DeBose fix the catch, the
1: biggest heartbreaks. For the
2: first time in program history, Charlotte beats a Power 5
1: opponent. Club lit indeed. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. College football is here. Team week continues. We got ACC media days this week, but we're also talking about the Charlotte 49ers. 49er fans, they got mad at us being in the city, not leading off team week with the 49ers. But hey, man, we had to iron out the details, make sure we got all the wrinkles out, and we're all good to go now. We're hitting our stride. We got the intros ready to go. We know the format that we want to go with. We're going to have some guests lined up for you a little bit later this week. So we're off and running with Team Week. My question first, though, for all the 49er fans that are listening, by the way, I wanted to know if it was okay to include the club lit sounder. Is that a bad taste for 49ers fans? Or is that something we can't embrace because it did put the school on the map for quite some time? It got Will Healy a lot of publicity. Going on Jim Rome, talking about it with Paul Feinbaum. I mean, nationally, it was quite the storyline when will healy put on the norm the niner head went shirtless and was being carried around by his team because they would win games and then go throw up club lit in the locker room should that be a bad taste or is that okay to still embrace wes fitty what are, you, what are your thoughts uh,
2: i don't think it's bad i think you I can think so either i think you can still embrace
1: it what about you fitty? can we embrace that
3: yeah i mean look i, I don't think that um biff pogey would embrace it Um, That's a good point. But I think for Team Week, we should embrace it. And some mini breaking news for Team Week. College Game Day will be back in Charlotte for the season opener between South Carolina and North Carolina.
1: Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we can get to that later on. But that's big time. There was, um, I think, a Colin Thompson report that you had in the fishbowl where you interrupted us putting the the show together. (laughs) And then we just had to, you know, move on. Yeah, right you don't want to turn
2: into the boy who cried. Wolf no, man. you start
1: but, telling us breaking news and we ignore you. But that was appropriate. I appreciate that. Thank, Thank you, you for that.
2: All right, let's talk <laughs> about the
1: Charlotte 49ers uh, recent history. That's how we lead off each team week feature ECU, App State, now Charlotte. Recent history, well, it's not been kind. And I don't think 49er fans expected that. Once Will Healy took this program to a bowl game, going 7-6, and six, the best record in Charlotte history, Will Healy's first full year coaching the team. So Will Healy takes over. They go seven and six. They lose, but they do go to the Bahamas Bowl, which was a historic moment within this young program's history. Next year, all the COVID stuff happens. You go two and four. They only played six total games. There were only a couple of other college football teams, West that got hit as hard schedule-wise as the Charlotte 49ers did because of COVID canceling games. And this would happen too. Right up to the moment they were supposed to board the bus. We would have we'd have Georgia State. I believe that game got canceled because of something going on with Georgia State's program. Same thing with Charlotte. Right before they would make the trip, we would get the news. Hey, no game this weekend. Sorry, but it's just not going to happen. So they only played six games. And they just weren't able to bounce back from that. In 2021, you could hear a couple of the highlights in the intro. They beat Duke. They get their first ever win over a Power Five opponent in program history. That eventually led to David Cutcliffe's firing. It was a big-time win for the Charlotte 49ers squad, and they only win five games. They don't even become bowl eligible after what was a very good start to the season. And then last year, it became untenable, Wes. Three and nine and two of those wins came in the last four games from Pete Rossamondo, who did a great job as the interim coach taking over for Will Healy after he was fired just eight games into his last season. So you made the joke, right? I'll go ahead and say to the Niner fans, it's fine. We know what it is. You made the joke during the intro. You were trying to act as Brad Nessler, the historic losing for Charlotte 49ers program. Look, that's how it has been, at least the last three seasons. I do believe Biff Pogey can get this thing back on track, but to talk about the recent history, it's been tough sled in the last three years.
2: Yeah, it definitely has been, man. And so you felt really good about what Will Healy had going as far as the whole club lit thing and uh, the game that they actually qualified. To be in a bowl game, your boy was working the sidelines that day. So that was a pretty cool moment. Oh, that is cool. I was probably down that. there, too. I don't yeah, think, think I saw you. Yeah, probably was, man. You probably ignored me.
1: No, you probably ignored me. Don't you do yeah. it. You're too big time. <laughs> You're Mr. College Football. Uh, yes, I just try to be.
2: Yeah, so, no, it, 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 it's disappointing, too, because Charlotte is one of the programs that I cheer for outside of Wake Forest. I always want to see them do well, and you just want to see them get the talent. I mean, defensively. They have been struggling uh, to put a big-time unit out there. You've got uh, Coach Poggi already getting into it with uh, App State fans and things like that, or App State coaches. So uh, it's lit, though. I like what he's bringing to the table as far as the bravado that Coach Poggi is bringing. He wants to bring a winning mentality, players that come from winning programs. Michigan's been winning as much as anybody, so I think for any new coach – that's the first thing that they have to bring to the table is trying to change that culture. I mean, they're 38 and 74 all time. They've had 8 seasons in the FBS and then the most disappointing thing is that Charlotte fans, I mean, you want to get upset with me if you will on a text line. I I really don't get <clears throat> don't really care about that because look at that home record 23 and 32 and the big reason is the fans aren't coming out and supporting like they need to because they want to wait for the 49ers to start uh winning before they show their support you watch a lot of games empty stands and that's not going to attract a lot of recruits they're 15 and 41 on the road but like I said that home record man you got to start there you've got to protect your house and so historically that stadium I know it's very young but it's not a very daunting place for teams to come and play i think you start to change the culture one with that trying to create an atmosphere at home i hope they can do that this year
1: a little bit of the chicken or the egg combo with what needs to happen first do the 49er fans need to show up to the home stadium in order to ensure some of these victories or do they need to start winning and then the fans will come I am more of the one that believes in the latter just a little bit because this is the task at hand, man. Like, it's not like Charlotte is unique in this way. If you lose and you lose historically for your first eight seasons of your program's history, except for the one time that you had one game above 500 of a winning record, then it's going to be tough. And I've seen the fans turn out. When there is exciting football and we had it, we did have some exciting football in 2019 and we had it in the first half of 2021. They got off to a four and two start and they only won one other game in the second half of that 2021 season, which is why it was so disappointing. So I've seen the fans show out. It just doesn't happen as much. And then when you go to a one and seven start last year, it's going to be really tough to try to make up on the back half of it. I do think that there is some breath of fresh air with Biff Poji taking over. You do have what is the complete opposite of Will Healy and Biff Pogey, and I think the defense is going to be the complete opposite. They're not going to be finishing number one. They're not going to be among the top defensive units in all of college football. But Wes, any problems with this team in the last few years, you have to start with the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it has been as bad of a defensive unit year after year as you could possibly imagine. Let's go back to even 2021. I'll start with the 5-7 and seven season, talking about this defense. I mean, they only allowed 28 points to Duke. They only allowed 10 and then 20 the first three games of the season. But then they allowed 39. They allowed 24 to Illinois, actually a decent mark. 33 to FIU. 38, 45, 24. They end the season allowing 42, 49, and 56 all-in-conference games. Did it get better in 2022? Hell no, it didn't. You look at the beginning of the season. They allow 43 immediately. They did not allow an opponent to score less than 40 points until you allowed 34 on the road to UAB, and that was week seven. That was game seven before anybody didn't get to 40 on you. It was as bad as it could possibly get, (laughs) and this is why I'm very excited to just see a defense that won't bleed nearly as much. Biff Pogey coming over controlling the football not allowing the opposing offense to get in a rhythm and allowing your defense to breathe a little bit i think that's the biggest improvement we're going to see from a first-year head coach
2: yeah i think so and so and uh let me correct too. They charlotte 49ers in their program's history they have 39 wins and 24 at home uh but regardless like i said it's going to start With the defense, as you said, that's why he wants to uh, keep it simple. You know what I'm saying? He wants to come out and run the football, get his quarterback, whoever that may be, acclimated to the offense, slow the game down just a little bit or speed the game up, so to speak, by controlling the clock and defensively bringing in the size and bringing in guys that can really try to turn this thing around. Because defensively, man, when you look at this thing, you cannot get by Putting up the numbers that they did dead last. I mean they almost they gave up a forty burger pretty much every game. They <laughs> average so bad. They gave up thirty nine point <sighs> four points per game and so that's not what you want to see especially when your offense is ninth and only scoring 24 points per game so I think they've done a lot of work with all of the transfers good lord I mean guys probably uh, had to wear name tags everywhere they went just so the coaches could recognize who was who but this is how you start a program this is how you change the culture and he's definitely wanting to build this program on physicality 980 number said Charlotte alumni here 2011
1: crib four years later Appreciate you. (laughs) Will Healy had everything going except play calling, recruiting, and discipline. All of Will Healy's success came from Lambert's recruits. The most disappointing thing about Healy was the recruiting, as he is supposed to be a player's coach. Biff has already turned that around. I've said it a million times. Could not be more of the truth right there. 100%. Will Healy he gave off an aura where you thought he was going to be getting talent in left and right. And it just didn't happen. And that was his calling card when he came in. 100%. I mean, you had guys that were transferring in, you had some talent. I mean, I think the best recruit he probably ever had as far as hindsight, as far as somebody really working out for him was Elijah Spencer, who is now playing for Minnesota's football program. And he was very good, but you can't just hit on the one guy that turns out to be some kind of star. Every single offseason, Will Healy would bring in a quarterback to compete with Chris Reynolds and to be their guy, and they would lose every single time. I think that speaks a lot to Chris Reynolds. I think that speaks a lot to the eye of a quarterback that Will Healy just didn't have. Brett Keane didn't work out. Evan Sheriffs didn't work out. When you try, uh, I think that was Brad Lambert, if I'm not mistaken. But even a James Foster, former four-star, man, didn't work out for James Foster either. So... The QB situation is going to be fascinating coming into this year, but also so is just the identity of this football team. Can you get back to running effectively? Can you get back to stopping other teams from scoring 40 on you? I hope that is the case because then you can see a nice foundation built and you already are having a lot more talent. This is a football program that can bring in talent. He mentioned right there that text did Brad Lambert did. I mean, we can go back to, I'll live in some Charlotte 49er nostalgia here. Okay, But we had guys that would get invites to NFL training camps quite a bit. You could go to an Allen Barnwell or even a Kalief Phillips, one of the best like running backs. Philippe. Kalief Phillips was a man, dude. Yeah, like he, like w- he was fantastic. Got an invite to Green Bay's training camp. You can go to Austin Duke, who yep. was very good, had some love with Carolina, did a pretty good job in training camp. Ogan Joby, Highsmith. Those guys were recruited by Brad Lambert. And so now I think when Biff Pogey comes back in, you can point to – it's not without precedent, right? That's the point I'm trying to make. You can get some really exciting guys in this program. And so once they're able to do that, and then the play calling is there, and then the discipline is there – I'm ready. I'm excited. Like, I, Look, everybody's going to be amped up for a new coach after it didn't work out the previous three seasons, but I, I think there is real reason. It, it's not just fanaticism as to why I feel good. I think there's some real evidence to point to and say, this is why Charlotte is trending upward.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be a brick-by-brick brick method because when you talk about recruiting, if we want to go year-by-year year with that, over the last four years, 2020, 2020 was their highest-rated recruiting class at 71 Other than that, over the last four years, the highest rated class was 108 or lower That's according to 24-7 Sports. And so they've got to infuse some talent in there. And it's going to be – it's not going to be a quick, easy, fix method for Coach Poggi, but he's done a good job so far uh, with the out with the old, in with the new approach. And it's just going to take year by year for them to build that talent back up because it just doesn't look like there's a lot there.
1: All right, I'm excited. Team week, Charlotte 49ers, it's off and rolling. We appreciate you listening. That was the recent history. We look ahead to the offensive unit tomorrow tomorrow defensively we'll take a look at this squad we'll also sprinkle in some guests here and there should be a lot of fun talking about the charlotte 49ers all week long really college football dominated this week it's right up your alley west yes, we got a lot of college football coming your way it's about that time baby let's talk about the professionals <laughs> though coming up next because panthers training camp it's going to be starting in just a couple of days people reporting this weekend and tomorrow the vets will come in let's break it down with the carolina panthers as well position group battles on the defensive side, what are the most intriguing? We'll get to that on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.
2: McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing.
0: Technique
2: of shadow boxing. When are you
1: gonna watch Wu Tang Walker? I need to. I know. There's a couple things that you put me on ah, that I going to watch. I I'm, keep trying to tell you, but I'm I'm also trying to tell you that <laughs> I just I don't invest as much as I should. Now the quarterback thing, I got on that right yeah, away. But you're such a hip hop head like me, though, know? so I, it's like you would love it. And honestly, I think my girlfriend would be into it as well. That's
2: it's so good, it's so well
1: done. What you got, Fitty? All
3: right, so I I finished episode two last night of the QB doc.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. And I'm I'm sure y'all talked about this. Um, why why is Kirk Cousins in this? Kirk Cousins is
2: one of the better quarterbacks in the league, man. Let's not act like Kirk Cousins is trash out here. I just... Why are you asking that question,
1: though? Is there something in particular? I just
3: don't really care what Kirk Cousins does to prepare to go be an average quarterback. All right. Okay,
1: well, hold on one second. Because... In a documentary that also includes Marcus
3: Mariota, and you're trying to point at Kirk Cousins and ask why he's in it? Okay, but the first two episodes, it's more Mahomes, Kirk's cousins driven, not a whole lot of Marcus Mariota.
1: Well, I mean, because... Because he's boring. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> Mariota is the most boring quarterback in that series. And look, it's not like Kirk Cousins is a ball of intrigue. I'm not trying to say that. It
2: depends what you're looking for. Like, if you're a dad type or whatever, like it, it's interesting to see that. I, I think he provides entertainment in different ways.
1: I think Peyton Manning and Omaha Productions did a great job of picking very different level QBs. You're talking about Patrick Mahomes, who is the best in the NFL. You're talking about Kirk Cousins, who's real polarizing. I think at I think some people would argue that he's top ten. I would not. I would argue that he's more in that average to above average range. I think he's above average. I think he's above average. But I think in the postseason we can see some turnover, happy feet, Kirk Cousins edition show up for 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 sure. And it's a little polarizing. Mariota is towards the bottom, but still a starting quarterback last year. I do think Omaha Productions did a great job of the 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 batch of quarterbacks that they picked. I, I thought it was just fine. You don't like that. You, you're you mad at me now for saying Kirk Cousins yeah, is about Yeah, I mean, average.
2: I know he gets to rep about the primetime, which he debunked that in the show. I know the playoff wins might not necessarily be there, but to call him, I, I mean, well, the Wes, guy. Here's,
1: here's what I want to know from you, though. Because up? we
2: oftentimes, uh-huh. you will get mad at me
1: and my disrespect for QBs. Uh-huh. I've got four off of the rip. <laughs> uh-huh. Andy, Andy Dalton last year. Yeah. Kirk Cousins now, Yeah. Derek Carr, Yeah. Jared Goff. Yeah. Uh, you've got 17 quarterbacks No, but some 10. of these
2: are contextual because me and you get into it about when we rate week to week them going into Panthers matchup. Oh, but for sure, you, 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 acted like, you acted like I was dissing Andy now, Dalton. Now, Derek so, Carr was bad. You did, diss Andy, you did diss Andy Dalton. But come on, Kirk Cousins. And since Jared, he's Goff. Been, yeah, Jared Goff. Too. Yeah, you diss Jared Goff.
3: Yeah, oh did. yeah, that one was pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, you diss Jared Goff. Because Goff was having for him his best <laughs> season of his yeah. career. <laughs> right,
1: right. That's exactly my point. Last year was the best season of his career, possibly. And it was still what? Top, I mean, and he had a, a pretty solid QD.
2: career, but he was really playing good football coming into that game. And you were like, eh, I'm not really worried about it. And I was like, uh, well, he's playing pretty good ball. Oh. And out.
1: what did Carolina do? And J.C. Horn, who told us a it. <laughs> gave up six for 90 no, yards. I'm saying no, it, J.C. Ask, ask, I'm no, going
2: with what PFF had. No,
1: I'm believing J.C.
2: J.C. only <laughs> gave up
1: one reception for 20 yards, and that was it. That's, That's what, what he J.C. said. But Kirk
2: Cousins, since he's been in Minnesota alone, 153 touchdowns to 50 picks, 67 percent completion percentage. Come on, man. Stop no, it. And Kirk Cousins I think was really good last 100 year. Hundred quarterback rating in I, Minnesota, five seasons. I
1: think Kirk Cousins was, was good last year. I think that was actually one of his better seasons too. And you see him
2: throw for over forty five hundred yards. Yeah. I really like He's what, got some better ones though.
1: Um well in Washington he had the forty nine hundred yard. In
2: twenty twenty he, he went thirty five thirteen
1: yeah, I'm just talking about yardage. So I'm going with 4,500 <laughs> yardage in 2022 and then 4,900 with the Commanders the second to last season before eventually he moved on to Minnesota. But yeah, I, I think he's an above average quarterback. I think he's an above average guy. I wouldn't call him top 10, but I would call him above average. And at times he plays above. Like, I think you can win a Super Bowl with him. I think the offensive line has to improve. I just don't know if you're winning a Super Bowl because of what he does on a consistent basis. But
2: he can hurt you, no doubt about it. That's where I am with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, I think Kirk Cousins is a a really, really good quarterback. So, I mean, the numbers bear it out. He's just got to get some more wins. He's one of those quarterbacks that wins are going to validate. He'll be one of those guys that if he gets to an NFC Championship Super Bowl setting, if he wins the Super Bowl especially, and people will go back and look at his numbers and be like, man, we were sleeping on Kirk Cousins. He was nice.
1: I, I know, but that's why context does matter, okay. watching these games. W- why are you, mad? You've been shaking your head the whole Kirk Cousins conversation, Fitty. Why are you shaking your head?
3: You know, that, you know that football season is about to start because you just start getting dumb take after dumb take after dumb take. <laughs> this 704 number <laughs> says that Kirk Cousins – and then this 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 might derail the segment. Is a better quarterback than Jake Delhomme? He is. There's no
2: question about it. Bull, what do you mean? Yeah. Look at the numbers. When did Jake Delhomme ever have seasons <laughs> it's, it's
1: seasons like this? I mean, it's, a a real, it's a real different he era. It's a real different era of football. Stop.
3: He took an 11 and five team to the Super Bowl and went throw for throw with with Tom Brady before John Casey forgot how to kick to how to kick the ball off. Okay, but he, he took him to two NFC title games in what a four or five year span. They went to the playoffs three times in his career. Like he accomplished more in his postseasons than Kirk Cousins has ever dreamed of accomplishing. I like
2: Jake Delone, but come on now. If you put Kirk Cousins on that Super Bowl team with Moose and all those guys, I think they win that game. Honestly, you know what
3: though? You you, Kirk, you think Kirk Cousins bring the Patriots.
2: I'm saying that Jake Delhomme did really play good. I don't want to talk bad about Jake though. But Kirk Cousins' overall totality of career, yes, he's got a career 97.8 quarterback rating. He's a career 252 touchdowns up against 105 interceptions and a career 67% quarterback. Get out of
3: here. Okay, so let me ask you this: big game on the line, you're in prime time. Do you want Kirk Cousins as your quarterback? Well, Kirk Cousins or do you as want Jake DeLome?
2: I'm taking Kirk Cousins, bro. How? Like how? <laughs> but Kirk Cousins debunks the whole primetime thing in the show. You'll see that he'll show you all the games he's won in
3: primetime. Okay, so you think Kirk Cousins goes to Philadelphia and beats that Eagles team on the road? You think Kirk Cousins goes into Soldier Field? Who, and does But who what's... could
2: beat the Eagles last year on no, no, the road? I'm talking
3: about when with with what Jake did on the Super Bowl run when they went to when they went to Philadelphia and won. Does, does, yeah. does, does, does that Kirk team was loaded team
2: that game? Yeah, that team was loaded. Kirk Cousins is the thing about Kirk Cousins' game, he is super accurate. And then with that Carolina team, when you're talking Moose and Steve Smith and Steven Davis is a support in the run game with that O line and that defense, yes, a thousand times yes. Kirk Cousins is nasty. Um I well, nasty, this is
1: right. Like nasty is a little too much for me. Oh my god. Kirk Cousins is better than Jake Delome, I think, overall. Jake DeLome played in a different era, pretty tough to compare because we know what John Fox and the Carolina Panthers wanted to do on that Super Bowl run. It's hand the ball off to Steven Davis and Deshaun Foster and allow Jake DeLome to eat off of that by throwing to Steve Smith and Moose and Muhammad. And then you look at the totality of their careers. Cousins going to have by far and away the better career. I love what Jake DeLome did for this Panthers team in a big game. I actually don't think that's a crazy combo. Like Jake DeLome, especially especially in that postseason run, he Mm -hmm. was balling. The prime time stuff, it's real. I know what he said on, on the quarterback documentary, uh-huh. but from what I'm looking up right now, I'm looking at an article that was posted in 2022, so I don't know what he did this past season. It was early on last year, but he began his NFL career 0-9 on Monday Night Football. 0-9. Not one win to start his career. But that's not all Seriously?
2: Oh, okay, but some of but it can be. But I get it. Be. Record is record. Is record.
1: But, I, but we can rock with no, that. No, I'm with you. Wins shouldn't be a 100% QB stat. I'm with you on that. But 0-9 oh, to start off your year or start off your career in Monday Night Football, I saw somewhere 11-18 and 18 overall in primetime games. Mm-hmm. You can check me on that if you want. That's just what I'm looking at right now. No, no now.
2: doubt. No doubt. But I'm just saying, if I gave you, you know, I love blind resumes. Mm-hmm. If I gave you that and say, okay, I'm going to give you a quarterback that In his last five seasons, goes 4,200 yards, 30 touchdowns to 10 picks. Uh, 3,600 yards, 26 touchdowns to 10 picks. Yeah. Forty two hundred yards, thirty-five touchdowns to thirteen interceptions, forty two hundred yards, thirty three touchdowns to seven interceptions, and forty five hundred yards, yeah. twenty nine touchdowns to fourteen interceptions. You're taking that all you're gonna say, where can I get him at? Sign him up.
1: I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the career of Kirk Cousins. I will. Now
3: I just I, I don't see how you can do that knowing that, that guy, unless he does it this year, and I don't believe it's gonna happen, that guy in big moments comes up small. He he has one.
1: He has one moment where he beat the New Orleans Saints in the postseason, and Kirk Cousins delivered some very nice throws in that game. Look, I'm one that has always been iffy on Kirk Cousins, as we're demonstrating now, but I'm going to give him his credit for that game against the Saints, where he had to come up with monster throws, especially one deep down the field, dime. Like I really like what you saw from Kirk in that game, but really that's the only one to point to. Now, I want to move this convo, because I thought you were going to go with a different quarterback that came in on the text line when referring to a dumb take. (laughs) I thought I thought you were going to go with the person that said Kirk Cousins is way better than Dak Prescott. I thought you were going to say that was a real dumb take that I do think is not very smart. I would go with Dak Prescott over Kirk Cousins because we can talk about the lack of playoff wins for Dallas, too. But one of them is in that Green Bay game where Aaron Rodgers maybe gave us the best throw of the decade to Jared Cook on the sideline in order to set them up for a game-winning field goal. Dak Prescott was good. I know he had the interception, but Dak Prescott was good. We have, what, Two playoff wins? For Dak? Yeah, and and multiple playoff appearances, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be taking Dak Prescott in in the better quarterback argument between those two guys.
3: Yeah, and look, uh, horse show dad.
1: (laughs) Okay. That's Actually
3: different. brought up the same point. I think I brought up, we were talking about this last week when it comes to Cousins. I I, I said that Cousins was this decade's Tony Romo. Great, great numbers. He's going to give you production left and right. Now, granted, he's got a lot of skill position talent around him to put up these great numbers. But when you need him to go win games and stuff like that, I don't think he's the guy that's going to do that. Um, and when it, when it comes to Dak, that one's... I, I, I think I'm with you. I think I take Dak Prescott because he was down 21-3 to to Aaron Rodgers, led the ferocious comeback. They went toe-to-toe with the Rams on the road the year that the Rams went in the Super Bowl. Like, Dak hasn't come up as small in the big moments as Kirk Cousins has. I – I mean, I did not I did not mean to derail the segment, but there's no, no way.
1: Great. I, I, you, you warned us that you were going to. There, though. There's you did. No <laughs> way
3: I look at what Kirk Cousins has done in the playoffs and said, you know what? I'd rather have that guy quarterbacking my team than Jake DeLow.
1: He had a good year last year, though. I'll give him that. And, and he lost at home
3: to Daniel freaking Jones. Yeah,
1: it was Daniel bad.
3: Jones. But that's what I'm saying. But you act like that's
2: all his fault, though. Like it's It's not the giant's defense was hot. Well,
1: what you see with this QB documentary is Kirk cousins clearly hurting very badly. Uh, Look, it wasn't an excuse for Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is also the best quarterback to maybe have ever done it when his career is said and done.
3: Mini goat. But
1: in this documentary, Wes, you can attest to this as well. Kirk Cousins is out there hurting bad. Yeah. Every single game, as soon as he suffers that rib injury. In drop and dropping down. Uh, yeah, and he was playing well. Well, and, but I will say this too. We can go to, what was it, the Buffalo Bills game? Mm-hmm. Where he just throws it up and Justin yeah. Jefferson does the Justin Jefferson thing, and Kirk Cousins, that will count as a point towards him in the completion percentage. But that completion percentage belongs solely to Justin Jefferson.
2: Yeah. And in that Giants game, he completed 79% of his passes, 273 yards, and two touchdowns. But it's his fault they lost, though, right?
1: 31 yeah.
2: or 39? I no I'm on now. Are you going to go with that? I can't on in the building.
1: Now. I, I need I need to get my Viking schedule if yeah, you're going to go on. game for game. Come holler at me. No, I'm talking <laughs> about
2: the playoff game. I'm talking about the playoff game. He was thirty one or thirty two seventy-three and two touchdowns. But I mean, yeah. I mean, but well, it's you you his fault. It
3: works. You know how it works in the NFL when when you when you win, you get all the praise. Yeah, but let's when not you, fall you, into you, you, but, you, know, you get all the blame. But let's not fall into that simple trap,
2: though. Like I said, he played well enough for them to win the game. Maybe should he have thrown a third touchdown to get him a win? Sure. But he played fairly flawless. Also, in that well, that's
1: in that QB doc though. Kirk Cousins shows how he missed a play. like yeah, it, I mean, and, and he did. I mean,
2: but when I say at flawless, it's like at if I can get game. that type of game from my quarterback, yeah. you should win that game. There are more factors that go into you losing that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, can we decide what to do as a show, real quickly, before we move on? Because <laughs> I was mean, trying to get to these position I know, battles. I know, but, My bad, guys. but, but My well, bad. it's okay. And <laughs> no, I know. it's great. Well, I love Wes, it. Wes has a strong sense, too, to defend Kirk and some of these quarterbacks that he gets frustrated with me calling average or slightly above average. Yeah. And then he needs to say, hey, it's not Kirk's fault. Can we give them one important position battle? Let's go rapid fire and then maybe touch on it a little bit more as the show goes on. Okay. Give me one important position battle defensively so we can please the T's, as they say that's in the industry. Right. Give me an important position battle on the defensive side that you're most intrigued
2: by. Uh, definitely nose tackle, because that's going to be such a huge position in that 3-4 base defense. The favorite they're listing, Marquand McCall, but then they've got Bravian and Roy and John. P- yeah. Penasini also in there as well. But McCall's got that great size, 6'3", 345 pounds. That's going to be a key guy in that defense to keep Shaq, and especially Frankie Louvu, who's playing a little bit out of position, Keep those guys clean so they can be uh, disruptive, man. So that's what I'd like to see because that's going to be a key position that's not going to always show up in the stats.
1: Yeah, you're looking at the defensive tackle position. I'm kind of looking that at, uh, at that as well because we've talked a lot about opposite Brian Byrne stuff. So we know Derek Brown is going to be your number one defensive tackle moving on you know, the defensive line a little bit with the side man Yeah, front.
2: he's a defensive end now.
1: Yeah, uh, Shy Tuttle, Deshaun Williams. I mean, who is is Shy Tuttle your for sure – next guy up, I would think so. Yeah. But Deshaun Williams also has the familiarity with Averro, no and, doubt. No and doubt. is good. Lots and of is, advantages. So I, I think that might be interesting to see the shy Tuttle, Deshaun Williams combo to see just how many snaps each of those guys share starting, who's going to have the higher share at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I'd still say Tuttle, but it, it'll be interesting to see just uh, what kind of situations those guys are on the, um, in the starting line.
2: Yeah. And so, uh, also Fiddy, did you have any position battles or, Let's Which, just what, go to
3: a flash.
1: Go go to the defensive defensive line position battle. Are you just gonna go opposite Brian Burns? <laughs> like that's that's the main takeaway.
3: Yeah, I'm still thinking about you know who'd I'd pick between cousins and Delome and <laughs>
2: All right. Well let's hear uh, this uh, second flash of the day.
0: <laughs> City.
3: Well, we're still a little bit over a week away from the MLB trade deadline, but the Atlanta Braves are already getting busy bulking up that bullpen for the stretch run. They acquired relievers Pierce Johnson and Taylor Hearn in separate trades. They they, uh, traded um, for Pierce Johnson – with the Rockies giving up their, their number 10 and their number 26 prospects, respectively. And for Taylor Hearn, they just simply sent cash to the Texas Rangers. That's the third bullpen arm they've acquired since Sunday. They have picked up a guy off of waivers from Tampa Bay. So we're officially eight days away from the MLB trade deadline as a show. Because I know we had some fun with this during the NBA trade deadline. Can we just bring the breaking news sounder back out for the MLB trade deadline for every non-important trade and hopefully the Shohei Otani <laughs> trade that rocks the baseball
1: world? Yeah, we can. I'm here for it. I'm down for the chaos. Baseball, NFL. NBA, I'm with uh, all of the trade deadlines for us having a chaotic show every single one of those days.
2: All right, when we come back, we make the trek to Mount Rushmore ACC style. All purpose is the name of the game on Wilson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: Closer to the football season, but I still think it's silly season as long as we're in July. We have ACC media days coming up in the next couple of days. We'll be out there live Wednesday, Thursday. Wes rallying some interviews, and then going to join us the last hour of Wednesday and Thursday. It'll be me and Fitty, I believe, tomorrow for most of the show, and then it'll be you and me. Friday for most of the show, you have a you have a scary grin on your face. I don't know what it's about, Fiddy.
3: I was just going to ask you, like you know, tomorrow it's me and you until two. Wednesday it's me and you with Wes popping in till two. Thursday it's me and you with Wes popping in till two, and then Friday it's just me and you.
1: I I I actually forgot that it was going to be me and you the whole time until two o'clock.
3: Yeah, and like we'll, we'll take wary? people. Oh yeah, you should have seen them. Dude, Friday after the show. <laughs> We're in there we're in we're in Hoggard's uh, office, kind of talking about the week, mm-hmm. and just the look of despair on his face Wes. this man this man looks like women look like when I asked them out he he has he doesn't want to do this Wow.
2: That's not true. <laughs> I know he he lays it on
1: thick, just like he told you about the shoes. I knew he was gonna think some type of way though when we talked about possibly having somebody else help us out at media days on Wednesday and Thursday.
3: Hey, baby, I don't need no help. I'm good.
1: You didn't say it then, but I know in your brain as we were talking about it, he's thinking, man, we don't need anybody. It yep. could just be me. Yep, It'd be me and Fitty, me and Walker. Me, honestly, the Fitty and Fitty show. Walker can take a break. <laughs> right. I was gonna say he could. Line you up so he could do it all by himself. Fiddy is trying to figure out a way right now as we speak how he can be at ACC Media Days and run the board <laughs> so he could do a solo hosting job while also running the board while also getting he interviews He probably at. pay
2: Shroppy on the side. To he, probably get it. he probably would.
1: He probably would. But then he would also pay Shrappy and, and say, hey, let's just pretend that I'm running the board. <laughs> yes. You can press the buttons. I'll get you some Bossy Beulahs. And then also, you'll just give me all the credit. That's mm-hmm. just how it'll roll.
3: That's exactly what he would do. <laughs> I, I stand by it. I stand I, by it. I want y'all to know I, i've got a uh, I've got a meeting with the with the rictator after the show. Mm-hmm. If he asks if there's one thing we could be do better, we can be doing better. I'm going to pitch to put my name on the show.
1: <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. We'll see how that works for him <laughs> in that meeting after the show today. Silly season. It means it's Mount Rushmore season. Let's go to the all-purpose. Best players when it comes to all-purpose yardage in ACC history, according to one Wes Bryant. The top four guys, the guys that he is etching their faces in the side of the mountain. Number one, Wes, who do you got for? All
2: right. Well, first off, you know, I always plug that you, you can watch all of this on the ACC Digital Network, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all these places. We've got great content for you, and we do some cool videos as well. You can check it out on my Instagram, Wes Bryant underscore 72, and at the ACCDN on instagram to check out some of these cool highlights of these guys because we start with leon johnson from north carolina and i say in the video popular rap jersey in the 90s, okay, a lot of people were rocking the 12. Second team ACC all-time team member, according to ESPN, his 5,828 all-purpose yards. Third all-time in ACC lore. We also did a cool video. We had a video of uh, Unsung Heroes that we did a series about on the ACC and You can see some cool guys there, Leon Johnson was one of those. Uh, you talk about James Davis from Clemson. So we definitely bring you all the ACC content and nostalgia. And his 50 total touchdowns still to this day are a UNC record.
1: All right, Leon Johnson, who else did we have recognized from the North Carolina offensive family? Because there's a lot of running backs we went over over on the running back Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we know, I mean, we've talked to Kelvin Bryant before. Natron Means, we were talking about a lot of those guys. But is Leon Johnson the first one to make any of these lists? Uh, Yes. And we had a problem with Choo Choo Justice not making the list. I remember (laughs) that.
2: Well, if came through and cleaned that up, he said because they
1: weren't in the ACC. Uh, That's right. That's right. So, Leon Johnson on there, I like it. Love seeing a Carolina back because you've had actually a pretty extensive history at that position. Next one, Wes, who you got?
2: Well, we've got the man. The guy that I call the Southern Reggie Bush during his time at Clemson, C.J. Spiller, 2021 college football hall of fame inductee first team ACC all-time team member according to ESPN and his 7,588 all-purpose yards are an ACC record and one of the greatest marks in college football history as well when you talk about all-purpose yards.
1: I'm trying to think if you got more defensive over Kirk Cousins or C.J. Spiller when I tried to roll through. What was the time? I was going through. Yeah, and you were going set, through something. And I said C.J. Spiller, and I I don't
2: even think I said anything <laughs> degrading
1: about you him. Didn't. You didn't. I just, just moved didn't on.
2: Put the proper.
3: It was the way you said. Yeah, you just didn't put the proper billing
2: on the Southern Reggie Bush.
1: It was. I I moved right along. I didn't give him his day in the sunlight. And you said, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." I yeah. mean, the whole show. We had to press the brakes and. And talk about CJ Speller I will say he was He was excited
2: Unbelievable But I mean, But Better than Travis Etienne No 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 Come on now Travis okay. Etienne I mean as far as Just a pure running back No man But just all purpose Electricity But that's my question Even Okay so All purpose We're talking eye tests As far as the Because the, the highlights That's not close The yeah. highlights C.J. Spiller got him. C.J. Spiller's highlights are ridiculous. The Georgia Tech run when yeah. he juked three guys in the open field. you talking about, oh, God. How did many? you
1: think he was going to be a beast in the NFL?
2: Yes, I did. I thought that C.J. Spiller was going to be the man. I and thought he was
1: going to be really good. I mean, honestly, in uh, Southern Reggie Bush in more ways than one because solid <laughs> NFL
2: career, probably
1: yeah. a, a little more to be desired. Yes, but Didn't definitely. deliver on any of that. So, sure. yeah. All right. I like the list so far. Leon Johnson, C.J. Spiller. Who are the next two?
2: All right, so next up we've got from Duke University, Jamison Crowder. Okay. 2011 and 2014. His career, 5,575 all-purpose yards, a fifth all-time in the ACC. He was a two-time first-team all-ACC selection at two different spots, whether you talk about wide receiver or as a return specialist. And his career, he has 29 games with a hundred plus all-purpose yards,
1: Jamison Crowder, the lone wide receiver on the list of the first three that you're talking about. Crowder was nasty and just like we had that weird, not even so much weird, but you had an extensive running back history at North mm-hmm. Carolina. Duke has pumped out some wide receivers coming out of Durham. Like, we've seen some decent guys. Connor Vernon, a big-time receiver with yes. Duke. Jamison Crowder, are the same thing. So, you got some, uh, at least those are, maybe those are the only two that I can come up with. I think recently. Connor
2: Vernon, if I'm not mistaken, is the all-time leader in receptions and
1: ACC I know he's got a boatload of them no doubt about it I don't have any problem with this list as we've gone into (laughs) harder categories it's harder to argue yeah but I don't have any problem with this list last one who you got with the last one out of
2: North Carolina Ryan Switzer. Ah, we got it on the text line. I had to go with Switzer. He's a first-team ACC all-time team member, according to ESPN. Uh, His career, he is the UNC record holder in receptions and receiving yards. And his seven punt return touchdowns are tied for third all-time in the history of the NCAA. All right,
1: so some names that I'm trying to think of that I'm trying to pull up in just different punt return yardage, kick return yardage, just to see who might be up there. Eddie Royal, has the most punt return yards in ACC history. Mm-hmm. So, interesting name there. Ryan Switzer is number seven on that list. Peter Warwick not here. Mm-hmm. Does Peter Warwick need to be in the all-purpose Mount Rushmore?
2: Uh, Peter Warwick definitely was phenomenal. But, uh, you know, he already had made the wide receivers list. But then when you talk about these guys' all-time, uh, all-purpose yardage, he's he's not in the class with a lot of these guys. Okay. so As far uh, as just the sheer statistics. But when you talk highlights, excitement, what he brought – to the table, yeah, he's definitely one of the greatest. Like I said, and for those of you Florida State fans that want to jump on a text line, act a fool Peter Wark is my all-time favorite college football player, so let's pump the brakes.
1: Here. I think Eddie Royal, by the way, probably had that just for a season, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But, yes, Eddie Royal still was up there, was very good. Uh, T.J. Graham has the most kick return yards for any ACC player in his career, mm-hmm. which is a name that I completely forgot about. Also, man, how about Brandon Tate? Brandon Tate was, oh, a nice. lo- was a lot of fun. I remember Kirk Herbstreak having him as a dark horse Heisman candidate at the beginning <laughs> of the season. Did not come close to winning it, but Brandon Tate was still very nice and also decent NFL career.
3: Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, he won the Heisman. How's yeah, that? On, on, on his NCAA
2: yeah, season. Yeah,
1: on, on, on,
3: on NCAA 07. <laughs> I was waiting for the punchline. Yeah, we,
1: <laughs> it, and
2: it had to do, too, you know, we went on impact as well in, in different factors. But uh, the honorable mentions were Chris Douglas out of Bandy's High School. He also went to Duke. He's oh, wow. fourth all-time. Yeah, fourth all-time in the ACC. When you talk about all-purpose yards, he had 5,748 of those. Torrey Smith from Maryland had 2,000-plus receiving and return yards for his career. And then Duke Johnson out of Miami had 5,526 all-purpose yards. That's seventh all-time in the history of the league. Oh, uh, We also have a really good one. Moose wrote in Devin Hester. But- Okay, see, this is the thing. When I first came up with this video, I thought Devin Hester was a shoe-in. But then when you go look at Devin Hester's numbers, uh, he he doesn't stack up. Like, as far as excitement level, the returns and stuff like that, it's no question about it. But when you go look at his numbers compared to everybody else, it is not even close. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I was surprised, too. I was like, wait, no, they were in the ACC then.
1: I was trying to think. But, yeah, uh, Devin Hester is a surprising one. But you did all the research. I have not. So, I can't really fight you on any of these. It's a yeah, little harder Yeah, I mean, you look at a punt
2: kick returns, he has 638 career yards, uh, you know, punt returns, over 1000 in kick returns. And then but when you talk about offensively, he's got 160 rushing yards, 196 receiving. So if we'd have done a return man Mount Rushmore He'd have been on it. Yeah. But all purpose, he just wasn't good enough all around to make any of these lists.
1: All right. That's Wes's list. If you have any problems with it, you can text us. 704 At me at me. I want the smoke. Xum. Is that what you do now on <laughs> X- Twitter? <laughs> <X me. laughs> it's gonna sound so weird. Why right. why is he doing this? Somebody put Charlie Ward. Yeah, not all purpose. purpose? Not all purpose. All right, one more hour to go. Let's move on to the NBA discussion. The NBA approved the official sale of the Charlotte Hornets. How ready is this fan base to move on to a different regime? We'll get to that coming up next on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.